Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, I am super stoked for today's episode. I've got Ashley Michikay, who's the CEO of True North Retirement Advisors, an independent financial advisory firm managing $230 million in client assets and located just outside beautiful Portland, Oregon. It's a family business that she owns with her father, and Ashley specializes in helping small business owners exit their business and retire with financial security by crafting and implementing a custom-designed exit plan. She's on a mission to transition 300 small business owners successfully into retirement in the next 10 years. She also has this really cool podcast called One Minute Retirement Tips. I highly recommend you check that out. And also, if none of this, of none of what I just said interests you, her first time ever shooting under par, she shot like six or seven under. So if you're a golf fan, you at least want to tune in to hear that. Without further ado, here's my great interview with Ashley Michike. Hello, Ashley. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How you doing? Good, Josh. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited that you're here too. Uh, you are a retirement advisor and working with small business owners on how they can best prepare for retirement, plan for retirement, plan on what they want to do with their business. And so that is certainly right up our alley here on uh, Franchise Euphoria. So thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So usually before we dive into the advice part where, you know, we're going to talk about best strategies and so forth, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Yes. Yeah, so originally born, raised in Portland, Oregon. And actually, after I graduated uh, college, I joined my dad in his financial advisory practice. And we decided several years ago to launch our own firm. And so it was really interesting because I knew at that time, we, we knew exactly what we wanted. You know, we were really excited. We finally had the freedom to specialize in working with business owners and, and just in a way that wasn't possible at the big firm that we worked for before. So it was really exciting. But at the same time, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Uh, it was a huge leap of faith because I had we both had very cushy jobs. I had a nice river view. You know, I didn't know if my clients would come with me, you know, what would happen if I failed. So there was a lot of uncertainty. And when we launched True North, my son was only three months old. So, and, and what, what happened was, is it was about two years of planning that had started well before I ever became pregnant. So the, the train had already left the station and uh, there was no way it was going to stop until it arrived. And it just so happens that I had a child about three months before we we started our own firm. So it was a, a crazy time. And so you didn't take, you know, 10 weeks paid leave off at the beginning? Oh, I wish. So that was my second child. With my daughter, I took 
like four full months off. And then for the whole year, first year of her life, I only worked like three, four days a week. I mean, it was amazing. And with him, I was with my son because we were looking at office space. I mean, I remember I was meeting with our IT guy in a coffee shop, nursing my son who was like two weeks old at the time, trying to talk through and negotiate their contract (laughs) and what we were going to do and like meeting with the attorney and having conference calls and just doing crazy stuff while I was trying to keep my small child alive. How was that? I mean, just that in and of itself, I think is instructive for people who are tuning in who are, you know, I, I think all entrepreneurs are trying to balance something. Some Sometimes we're balancing multiple jobs. Sometimes we're balancing kids, you know, sometimes all of the, but w- what was that really like doing that? Just going all in while you're having, you already had a child, right? And then you had, another, you know, having another child in the midst of all that. Well, the first thing I would say is that it would have been impossible if I didn't have good family support, like my husband, my in-laws literally live down the street from us. Um, You know, my mom helped out. So a good network of support that made it a lot easier. There was a, a one night in particular, we had actually, it was about two weeks after we launched and um, we had just lost our first employee and I was rocking my son to sleep in his room and his little nightlight was glowing in the corner and his little noise machine was whooshing in the back. And I was just sobbing, sobbing because I, I thought I had just, what have I gotten myself into? Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to run a business. I've never even done payroll. Like, I don't know how to use the postage meter. Like, (laughs) so it was rough, but now that I'm not in that anymore and I've come out the other side and things are okay and you know things didn't implode at the time it was very very challenging but looking back um, it's also rewarding because you know every time you go through an experience that really stretches you and you come out and you survive then it just makes you stronger so well I remember when I when I left um, and started my own firm years back, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, you know, I had at the time one daughter. Now now we've got three. And obviously without the support and everything from family and, and my wife and and uh, in-laws and, and parents and stuff, it would have been way more difficult. But the thing about it is, is that once you get through that, it's really an amazing feeling to kind of look back. I mean, it just it just makes you realize that A, we all get inside our own heads too much. Like, you know, we're we're always playing out I think as entrepreneurs, like the the worst case scenario, and it really doesn't play out that way most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you right, I mean, if you if you if if you work hard and you're smart, to be you know most of the time you, you you'll figure it out. And then the other thing is with, that you hinted on, which is so true, is like you know the fear of like, are my clients going to come with me? What are they going to do? Like, are they all going to run for the door? And the reality is, is like, well, yeah, they're going to come with you because they like you, they know you, and frankly, it's a it's a pain in the butt to go get to know somebody else, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I, the, the runaway train is something that I found is useful in in how I think about working with clients is because, you know, I had no control over this train and it's kind of funny because when you're an entrepreneur and you start your business, entrepreneurship is really like a runaway train because if you're successful, you know how to start and run a business and you've sort of figured out how to get the train out of the station, but then we don't know how to get off the train. And that's what's really scary about when it comes to later in the business cycle and later in your cycle as an entrepreneur, when you want to think about exiting your business is, you know, it's like, okay, I'm on this train. How, how do I get off now? 
Well, it's one of the biggest, I mean, it's one of the biggest issues that small business owners face. And I, I'm always amazed as I'm working with clients, and I'm sure you are too, that, you know, everybody plans, as you said, for getting it going and then maintaining it. But there's no, there's no plan for, okay, what am I building all this for? I mean, what, what am I doing all of this for? Is this for me to, you know, sell for a big payday down the road? Is this for me to hopefully pass on to my kids? Is it for me to just shut down? I mean, I'm amazed at the number of businesses that actually don't have any kind of plan and they just shut their doors right. <laughs> because they can't stomach the fact of or trust that anybody else could come in and run it. So so talk to us a little bit. I mean, it's a good segue right into that, into what you guys do in working with small business owners to help them sort of plan for these kind of scenarios. Yeah. And you're exactly right, Josh. It, it, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're running your business, you kind of have your head down and you're just focusing on, you know, making your business profitable, making sure it survives. And if you're successful, you know, doing the necessary things to keep your business thriving. But then we kind of have to, so exit planning forces a business owner to take a step back and instead of always being head down, you know, focusing on running and on working in the business, exit planning is more about working on the business. So usually the first point of contact that we have with a client in talking about their exit path and what that looks like is talking with them about, you know, what's your timeline? What's, what are your goals? You know, how, how many more years do you want to work? Because I think Part of the problem, too, is that most business owners, they wait until the fire in their belly is gone. They really, it's almost too late. Ideally, you would start thinking about this and doing the necessary steps when you start your business. But for most people, realistically, it's, you know, five to 10 years out is a good time frame because then you give yourself the most time to really plan and do the things necessary that are going to give you the best chance possible of success. So we help clients with forming that timeline and those goals and then helping them value their business because that's really the first step is valuing and understanding what your business is worth Um, because a lot of the next steps that happen on that exit path can't happen if you have a totally you know unreliable or unrealistic view of what your business is worth. So that's actually usually where we start is just where are you at today? What's the business worth? And then we go from there. There's all sorts of different metrics to measure what a business is worth. I mean, at the, it's sort of a, you know, 50,000 foot view, obviously a, a business is worth what somebody will pay for it. Right. As they say, but the question is, is how do you get to what that number is, what that multiple is. I mean, what what approach do you guys take? And I'm sure it depends on the type of business, but I think it will be helpful and instructive to talk about sort of a process that you guys go through in determining how to evaluate a business. Sure. So good news is, is that with technology, it's actually a lot easier now to get an accurate and reliable value for your business without, you know, paying someone ten or twenty thousand dollars and having them disrupt your business, comb through your books and records. Like none of that is required anymore if you just want a good estimate of value. Now you still may need to get a certified valuation depending on who that successor looks like. But initially for our purposes and just determining where you're at, um, it's really not that challenging. So 
Don't you guys have, you guys have a business valuation tool, don't you? Yes, we do. So what I did is I talked to a number of business valuation experts and the tool that we use, you could enter like 50, 60 pieces of information, you know, your revenue, pre-tax income, you can do current year going back several years. But I said, okay, business owners, no, no one, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) So, so I went to them and I said, okay, what is the bare minimum, the least amount of information? Information that a business owner could enter into this tool and get a reasonably accurate estimate of value. Because that's all we care about in the initial phase. I just want to have a good starting place and a good estimate of value. So I talked to several people and through those conversations, I came up with a list of eight pieces of information that you could enter. This includes your revenue, pre-tax income, what you pay yourself. So it's all very high level basic information about your business financial picture that most business owners, unless their books are a complete mess, you know, you can get it either from your tax return or your balance sheet. And and that's a problem in and of itself, right? That's a whole separate problem. If your books are a complete mess, that's probably going to hurt your valuation. But anyways, Go on. Yeah. So if you have a hard time coming up with the eight pieces of information, that should be an indicator that, you know, you maybe have another problem to tackle. Because a lot of small businesses, you know, they don't have great books and records. Um, but it is most businesses know what their revenue was last year. They know what their pre-tax income was. I mean, those are two pretty basic things. And then there's some other things, like one of the eight pieces is, do you rent or own? Because if you own the, the property where your business operates out of, that changes the valuation, especially if you're going to include that as part of the, the sale. And then from there, the valuation does change based on who that successor is. Because obviously, if you're going to sell to a third party, it's worth whatever someone will pay for that. It doesn't necessarily matter what your valuation is. I've come across businesses go through the valuation process and you know their business is worth $4 million, but they end up selling for two or three times that because somebody was willing to pay a lot more. To me, it would seem like when you're when you're talking with a client, you're talking with a, a prospective client of yours and they're contemplating selling the business or they're they're at least starting to plan for that. Is the first thing you have them do is do this business valuation tool. I can imagine that might be one of the early things you would have them do because they may not have a true or realistic sense of what it's worth. And that would certainly impact what they want to do next steps. And yeah, you're exactly right. It, we take business owners in on the exit path. It's, it's a five-step path. And the first step on that path is valuing your business. And the reason why is just like you said, you have to know where you're starting from. And I liken it to, you know, if you're going to go from where you are, you know, you enter a location on your GPS and you want driving directions. Your GPS cannot give you driving directions unless you tell it where you are right now. So valuing your business is just like entering your current location on your GPS, because then I can say, okay, now we're going to go left and then we're going to turn right and then we're going to do these next steps. But we have to know what the business is worth first. Because if we start with, you know, oh, I want to exit in, you know, two years and I'm going to need to sell my business for $5 million in order to have the kind of financial security I need. But then we value your business a month later and it's worth a million dollars. And so now we have a $4 million gap to fill in two years. So I think it's, it's important for establishing some realistic expectations 
for the business owner. Because truthfully, there was a study done about three years ago that found that only 2% of business owners know what their business is worth. Most people just use rule of thumbs or they know, you know, so-and-so sold for this. Now with franchises, it's a little bit different because there is actually a little bit more data available with, yeah. you know, so it is actually easier and it, it's not as tricky versus a non-franchise business where, you know, it may be completely and totally unique. Do you guys focus on a particular sector or sectors or is it all over the map in terms of a type of business? It's pretty much all over the map. And I actually didn't start off doing exit plan. I actually came into this a little bit meandering path working in the 401k consulting world. And then I realized that a lot of these small businesses that I was working with with their 401k plans, when it came time to retire, I I had a couple situations where I had a business owner client die unexpectedly of a heart attack and watched kind of uh, from the background, watch his business and the employees who had worked there for decades, a third generation family business just you know, in about two years, everything just went south very quickly because he didn't plan. He, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't expect that he was going to have a heart attack and die, but he did. And it ruined his family's financial security and it ruined a third generation business. And that was really the catalyst for, I got to start talking to my clients more about this um, because I was just focusing on the 401k and, but most of my clients were in their fifties and sixties and getting serious about wanting to retire and, and find a successor. And so it kind of naturally led to some of those conversations about exit. So, you know, your, your industry in the financial advising world and my industry in the legal world are sort of like two, for a lot of people, two necessary evils, right? They, they, they hate the (laughs) idea of talking with any of us, but they, until, until until they need us. Uh, But tell me on, on your end, what, what's different? I mean, in the remaining, you know, minutes that we have here, what, I mean, what's what's different between True North and and other retirement advisor agencies or firms that that, that people would look at? Good question. So I would say the first differentiator is is the exit planning focus. Most financial advisors are generalists and, you know, they're focused on wealth management and, you know, they might do a basic financial plan, but they don't have the background and the understanding of the business owner in particular and, and understanding how to walk with the business owner on that exit path to make sure that, it, you know, to do everything possible to make sure that it's successful. The other thing is, is that we are what's known as a registered investment advisor, which means that we are required to act as a fiduciary in all circumstances to all of our clients, no matter what. And we put that in writing. And it's actually quite rare that advisors, most advisors, they don't necessarily operate under that fiduciary model. It seems like you're a little bit more tech savvy than probably most firms. I, I noticed as I was preparing for this that, you know, you have sort of the one minute retirement tips that you have on YouTube and you have other stuff online. Talk a little bit about that and sort of how that has helped you or is is, is helpful, I guess, to people out there looking for advice in this arena. One of the major steps of the exit planning process is to discover in your gap, which means here's the sum total of your business value and your personal assets, and here's what you need 
to in order to retire with financial security. And so if those two things don't equal each other, there's a gap. And so we have to figure out a way to fill that gap. And so, you know, a lot of what exit planning is, is more of traditional retirement planning and helping people understand their personal and business resources. And is that going to be enough? And then once I transition into retirement, you know, how am I going to pay for things like long-term care? How am I going to make sure I don't run out of money? So the one minute retirement tip is, is something I do. It's a daily podcast. It's two, three minutes long. And it focuses more on, yes, for business owners, but also just for everybody. So I'll, I'll talk about, like I said, long-term care. I'll talk about, you know, making sure that, you know, should I pay off my mortgage or should I not before I retire? So more of those questions that, you know, Americans are asking as they get close to retirement. And, and it's a it's a podcast as well as on YouTube. Yeah, so there's there's a handful of episodes on YouTube. It's a daily podcast on iTunes. It's called the One Minute Retirement Tip, and then um, I actually created it for Amazon Alexa. So that's the main platform that it's on. So if you go on Alexa and you say Alexa, tell me how I'm going to retire someday. <laughs> And You'll be on. Yeah, there. so that's that's the goal. So their voice search is huge, and it's only going to get bigger. And there's a lot of people out there who are searching for answers about how the heck they're going to retire. So that's who it's aiming to serve. Well, that's great. Well, I'm I'm happy to have you on to talk a little bit about this because it, it is a super important point for business owners and franchise owners who just don't think about what their next steps are. And at the end of the day, if you really think about it you know, what are we all doing this for, right? I mean, it's all, it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's exciting, but we want to be able to make money and build something that we can either pass on or, or, or sell or both. Um, so thank you for coming on and, and sharing about that. But before we go, I have to ask two things. First of all, you're in Portland, Oregon, which I, I used to live in Portland, Oregon many uh, years ago. Um, but do you work with people all over the country? I do. Yeah. Okay. And then number two, I saw from your bio that you hold the golf course record at a country club in Portland for shooting a 64. Is that accurate? Is that for real? Yes. It's from it's from the red tees, which is like it's not from the back tee box, but uh, I don't care. You still gotta get it you still gotta get in the hole. I'm a golfer. That's that's damn good. Actually. Yeah, it's crazy because um if for any golfers who are listening, I've actually that's the only time I've ever broke 70. And I shot a 64. So it was an incredible, amazing day. And is it a par 70 or is it a par 72? It's a, it's a par 71. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a really fun day. <laughs> Did you play in college or professionally or anything like that? No, I I played growing up in high school and um, wasn't very, I, I was decent. And then I started, I got the bug in my early twenties and I went from like a 12 handicap down to a one. And then I had kids and then my handicap started going up again. But then th this happened that I shot that three years ago. And it was just one of those days where the hole might as well have been a dinner plate. It was so, <laughs> you know, I was draining putts all day long. And I, see, I, you need to add that as part of, you know, we will, you'll, you'll do financial planning and golf lessons <laughs> all, all in one. Well, sometimes. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's, it's, it's a good way to meet people too. That's for sure. That's awesome. I love that. I'm a I'm an avid golfer myself. I love it, and it's uh, I don't get to do it as much with three kids and work being so busy, but I certainly enjoy it. And I definitely that stuck out on your bio. I thought, man, I gotta <laughs> ask her about this before we 
before we end the show. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, what's the best place to reach you or be- best place to learn about what you guys offer or, you know, we'll have it in the show notes as well. But if there's, if there's another uh, way to connect with you, feel free to share it now. Yeah. So I would suggest um, that business valuation checklist that I mentioned, if you go to truenorthra.com forward slash value my business, um, there's a, you can get a free copy of the checklist. It'll also provide you unlimited access to the valuation tool. So once you gather those pieces of information, you click on the link, go in, you'll have access to be able to value your business. And then coming out on the other side, you'll actually be able to see what your business is worth. And then a year from now, six months from now, three years from now, if you want to go back and update the valuation as your business changes, we don't charge anybody to do that because we know how important that is as the first step to getting unstuck. And so we make all that available for free to anybody who wants to use it. That's fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing that and best of luck to you in the future. Thanks, Josh. This is fun. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. You will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says ratings and reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.